6977. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. You're listening to an encore presentation of Pilgrim's Progress. We will not be taking calls today. among you fears the Lord and obeys the word of his servant, let him who walks in the dark, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. But now, all you who light fires and provide yourselves with flaming torches, go walk in the light of your fires and of the torches you have set ablaze. This is what you shall receive from my hand. You will lie down in torment. Isaiah, 50th chapter, verses 10 and 11. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor, the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. We're going to talk about the practical, everyday aspects of walking with Jesus. I suspect that some of you will have a difficult time with what I'm going to share. It will be quite controversial. The mainstream walk of the American Christian is not Christian. It's witchcraft. Let's talk about that. We find Moses with the children of Israel making their way finally toward the promised land. They have taken out a couple of kings. They are now coming to the River Jordan, across from that great city that they are to topple the walls of, Jericho. Satan now comes with every power of hell against the children of Israel and against Moses to try to stop them from entering into the promised land. You remember the last time they were at this place, they were utterly defeated and turned back. Fear, discouragement, the lies that were spoken by demonic powers all had their impact on the spies and they brought a bad report. And now they've spent 40 years wandering in the desert, and a whole new generation has arisen. New families, new people. And now they've come, and they're to enter into the promised land where their parents and grandparents refused. And so Satan utilizes one of his most powerful weapons, that of curses. We don't think much about curses today because we're in a technological society where many deny the reality of the supernatural. That's fine with Satan because he can work behind the scenes and accomplish what he desires with no one identifying him as the culprit. But we see in the scriptures the reality of curses 
and the power these curses have against people. No doubt, curses have been used against you, and you may be totally unconscious of their powerful effect on your life. The children of Israel are camped right at the Jordan. They're totally unaware of what's going on in the background. But there is a war going on between powers of light and the powers of darkness. Now the focal point of that struggle is Balak, the king of Moab, and Balaam, the sorcerer, as he now comes at the invitation of Balak against the word of God, he comes to bring a curse against the children of Israel. Now the donkey was much wiser than Balaam. The donkey could see. In Numbers, the 22nd chapter, in verse 23, 25 and 27, we have a seeing donkey, and we have a blind Balaam. And finally, in verse 28, we have a talking donkey. As I said yesterday, it makes me wonder who was the donkey and who was the man. Obviously, the donkey was much closer to the Lord than Balaam was. But Balaam has his claims that he serves the living God of heaven, even though he walks in his sorcery. Balaam answers his donkey, You've made a fool of me. If I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. And the donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your own donkey, which you've always ridden to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? No, he said. And then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. So he bows low and he falls face down, and the angel of the Lord asked him, Why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I've come here to oppose you, because your path is a reckless one before me. The donkey saw me and turned away from me three times. If she had not turned away, I would certainly have killed you by now, but I would have spared her. So God is saying that the donkey is more precious in his sight than Balaam is. Now, Balaam can make all the claims he wants to make about serving the Lord his God. But the fact is, God favors the donkey over him. So who was the real donkey? It's obvious that it wasn't the donkey, it was Balaam. And God has come to oppose him. It is the Lord who is dealing with Balaam one-on-one. This is the pre-incarnate Christ. The word angel simply means messenger. You remember the Lord was called an angel when he came to visit Abraham. And Balaam says, I have sinned. I did not realize you were standing in the road to oppose me. Now, if you are displeased, I will go back. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Hasn't the Lord said twice that he is very displeased? Hasn't he 
told Balaam that your course is a reckless one, and if you don't stop, I'm going to kill you? Now, I won't get that far ahead to tell the the rest of the story yet, but you recognize that in the end, Balaam is killed with the sword of Israel. In other words, Balaam did not stop his reckless course before God. And you have to stop and ask, why? Why wouldn't Balaam turn aside and just go back home and say, forget this? At least his self-preservation sense should have told him, just go home, the money's not worth it. But you see, Balaam was engaged in witchcraft. What is witchcraft? Witchcraft is that process that a human being goes through where they try to manipulate the spiritual realm to produce what they want for themselves. That's witchcraft. You can do it through positive affirmations. You can do it through chanting. You can do it through spell casting. You can do it in many different ways, but probably the most common way that it is done today is every man decides that he will force reality, whatever he identifies as that, to perform in the way he desires it to perform. In other words, he claims that he is in charge of his own life, and he will make his own choices and decisions about what will be. He creates for himself the reality that he desires. And of course, as I've mentioned before, there are many books that deal with this topic Everything from Tony Robbins' Neuro-Linguistic Training to The Magic of Believing by Clyde Bristol or Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. These are all books of occultism. They're very popular with some organizations, particularly multi-level marketing, like Amway. They're very popular because They teach a person how to go out and create their own reality. I remember the phrase, if it's going to be, it's up to me. All of this is straight witchcraft. It is darkness. Now, what happens in the life of a Christian is they begin to understand that they have been called to be crucified with Christ. And I have to confess to you today, it has been a very long process of gutting, literally, in my life. Because as a pastor, I was taught to be entrepreneurial. I was taught guerrilla marketing. I was taught to go out and use whatever means are possible to build up the church. Use whatever marketing is available. Use whatever strategies of of bringing in musicians, bringing in guest speakers. In other words, identify the needs of the people, identify their wants, and then fill them, and people will come to your church, and your church will grow and prosper. Find a need and fill it. Find a hurt and heal it. I mean, that was the mantra 
of the seeker-sensitive church as taught by Robert Schuller. Do I need to say anything more about Robert Schuller? You see, the outcome of Robert Schuller's ministry, as he wrote his book on self-esteem, The New Reformation, as he did his wonderful glass cathedral, Today the Crystal Cathedral is bankrupt. Today the Crystal Cathedral family of Robert Schuller is splattered and separated, bitter and angry. In other words, God brought that ministry totally around until, like Isaiah 50 says, they will lie down in torment. That's what happened to Robert Schuller. Today, he lies down in torment. He's lost everything. He's lost his church. He's lost his family. He's lost his dreams. He's lost his supposed self-esteem. Why? Because he would not trust the Lord. He devised his own marketing schemes. He devised his own self-help processes. He instituted those, and it led him to ruin. And he wanted to do all of that in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, there are others who've immediately leapt up and are are taking his place. Creflo Dollar, and I could name many others, have stepped into his place and are pushing even further what he taught, but they too will end up in ruin. The Lord will not allow them to destroy his body with their false teachings. It's witchcraft. Now let's come back and speak directly about you and me. The Lord calls us to be crucified with Christ so that we no longer live, but Christ lives in us. That means we will no longer in any manner work to create our own lives. And it is a process of gutting that goes on in the life of a Christian as they turn aside from creating their own life. When they stop doing the things that are expected in this culture that will bring them success, that will bring them lifestyle, that will bring to them the desires of their flesh, that will cause the money to flow to them. They stop doing those things, and they begin to seek after the Lord and only Jesus. They begin to cry out to him and ask him, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to say? I've come to this radio station at great expense and both personal and church sacrifice. But I have not come in the strength of the human flesh to create a great church. I've simply come at the command of the Holy Spirit. He's the one who directed me to come and do this broadcast. And so I come and I don't need to worry about saying things that you will be comfortable with or uncomfortable with. I simply have to be in the prayer closet, 
preparing for the broadcast, then I have to come and say exactly what the Holy Spirit has directed me to say and nothing else. I don't try to cause you to give money. I don't try to ask you to partner with me so we can make a mailing list that I can send you out letters encouraging you to donate to the Pilgrim's Progress Radio Ministry. Now, I was told very early on by many professionals in the radio business that, Pastor, the first thing you have to do is begin to get people's names and addresses. And then you have to use those and begin to mail to those people at least once a month, preferably every three weeks. And you have to give them some inspiration. You have to sell them something. You have to get them to buy your books, or you have to get them to buy somebody else's book that you'll offer to them at a discount. And by so doing this, you will build up your mailing list, and finally you'll be able to have enough cash flow to pay for the radio broadcast. When I went to the Lord and asked him about it, he said, No. No. This is not listener-supported radio. This is Jesus-supported radio. He'll move in the hearts of those he desires to bring forth the resources to pay for the radio. So, in my own life, he has said, go preach every day on the radio, and here's what you're to say. This is the content. This is what you're not to do, and this is what you are to do. Thank you, Lord. I'll go do that. He tells me, go preach at the National Prayer Chapel. This is what you're to preach. This is what you're to teach. This is how you're to lift up Jesus. And so I do that. He directs me to go visit a certain person, to speak a certain word to them, and so I do that. He tells me to call or email or send a text message to these people. I do that. In other words, all that I do, I do at the call and direction of the Holy Spirit. I do not do it to earn money. I don't do it for any reason other than Jesus told me to do it. Now, some of you have so many human plates in the air there would be a major crash if you stopped doing what you're doing. But that's not the way of the Lord. The Lord says, continue doing what you've been doing, going to work, taking care of your business, but begin to pray and ask me what you, what you Lord, want me to do. And finally, the day will come when he will deliver you from what you have chosen for yourself, and he will begin to direct your path into what he desires for you. You don't cut people off in your life because the Lord didn't give them to you. You don't leave a marriage because the Lord did not call you to marry that person. You stay right where you're at, and you begin to cry aloud to the Lord, and you begin to ask the Lord to straighten out the mess that you have made in your life. 
you begin to ask him to bring a change in your marriage. You ask the Lord to cause that husband to align himself with Jesus. You ask Jesus to cause that wife to align herself with Jesus. You pour out love, not condemnation, not judgment. And you ask Jesus if he would begin to reshape your marriage into something that would bring honor and glory to the name of Jesus. You begin to take steps with your children to bring discipline into their lives. You begin to pray for their salvation. I don't know that I would be here today if my father had not spent much time on his knees praying for his son Ray. Those times when I heard him praying for me had a very powerful effect on my mind and my heart. Oh, I went into my rebellion and my seeker-sensitive theology, and I, I went into the Reformed theology. But finally, the Holy Spirit began to call me out of that, and he called me into a life of holiness and righteousness and gave me incredible revelations of his glory. I believe he did that because of my father's prayers for me. I'm very grateful. So, Dad, pray for your children. Mother, pray for your children. Begin to bring order and discipline into their lives. Begin to eat together in the evening and cancel anything that would conflict with sitting at a table as a family and eating. Turn the television off. Throw it out of your house. Get rid of it. It is an instrument of darkness that pumps wickedness into your family. Begin to move and clean up your house. Get rid of all the videos that are wicked. Get rid of all the music that is wicked. Begin to move in the power of the Spirit to clean up your physical surroundings. If your house is filthy and dirty, clean it up. God will not come and dwell in filth. If you want the power of Jesus to begin to move in your heart and in your life, clean up the mess, throw out the trash, scrub the floors, vacuum the house, make it clean, a place where Jesus would come and dwell. In other words, as you begin to make a decision to follow after Jesus, and you want to not walk in the light that you have set ablaze, but in the power and in the Spirit of God. There is a dying out process that now must happen in your life. There is a letting go that must happen in your life. There is a turning from wickedness that you must do. If you have violent video games in your house, the boxing videos. The, if you have these violent videos in your house, throw them away. Get rid of them. They will block the Holy Spirit from moving in your life, and you will be blind like Balaam. Balaam could not see the angel. Curses were being set up 
against the children of Israel by this wicked man who was blind, who could not see the angel of God. Some of you are like Balaam today. You're busy setting up your life. You're going after the money. You say you serve the living God of heaven. But in fact, you're a sorcerer. You're pursuing everything possible to create your own reality. You're doing everything in your power to to have your life the way you want it. I spoke with one person. They said, I've done enough service for other people. It's my turn now. I'm going to create the life I want, the way I want it. I don't have room for anybody in my life that doesn't help me create what I want to create. Well, this person is poor. They're broke. They're broken. They're setting off on a task that is of utter darkness and witchcraft. And so many of you listening to this radio broadcast have created the reality that you dwell in. God did not choose the job you have. He didn't choose the spouse you have. God didn't choose the entertainment that you have. He didn't choose anything that you have. You chose it. You created all that you possess and all that you have. And if you're going to follow Jesus, there's going to have to be such a radical change in your life. You're going to have to repent of creating your own reality. You're going to have to turn from it and say, Lord, I don't want my life anymore. I want your life, Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, change my life. Many of you listening to this broadcast are locked into your life. And your life is so full of running the kids here and there and doing this and doing that that you have no time for Jesus in your life. What are you going to do in the end? What are you going to do in the end when Jesus has no time for you? And you say, but look, I did all these wonderful things. And Jesus says, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I don't know you. You see, the only way you can know Jesus is by denying yourself, taking up your cross and following him. By allowing everything that you have created to be removed from your heart and from your life and to allow everything that God wants to create and everything God wants to do in your life to flow into your life. Now, you can go on pretending. You can go to your worldly church where you get your little dose of inspiration, where you get your entertainment, where you like the music and you like the program and you like the people and you like the social atmosphere. They help you create the life you desire. They help you create your life. But what about the life of Christ? What about the radical changes necessary in your life if you're going to successfully make the journey to the celestial city? I'm Ray Greenley. I pastor 
the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. It is a church called forth by the Holy Spirit. It is a, it is a, a church where we only desire Jesus Christ. I recognize that every part of our culture is being captivated by demonic powers. Every unclean thing is flowing and prospering among us. It's time for a people to stand up and say, Enough. Enough. I am going to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm not going to go into witchcraft to try to create the life that I desire. I am going to renounce witchcraft. I'm going to renounce creating my own life. I want the life that Jesus Christ wants for me. And so I'm going to clean up my life. I'm going to throw out the books, the videos, the magazines, the CDs, the DVDs. I'm going to get rid of everything that stands opposed to the life of Jesus Christ. I'm going to clean my life up. Do you need to clean your life up today? Are you walking unconscious, opposing the ways of God, even as he stands in your way with a sword drawn, ready to take your life because you have given yourself over to wickedness and darkness? How do you stand with Jesus today? Are you making progress in this journey toward heaven? Or are you stuck? Bogged down in your, in your own ego, in your own wickedness, in your own desire to create your own life. Balaam wanted the money that Balak was offering him. And he was willing to do whatever it took to get that money because with that money he believed he could buy the life he wanted. He says, I have sinned. I didn't realize you were standing in the road to oppose me. Now if you're displeased, I'll go back. Of course God is displeased. He's displeased enough to take your life, Balaam. See, this is not repentance. Repentance is saying, I'm out of here. I'm gone. I'm going with Jesus. I'm not walking in the sin anymore. I'm not smoking this stuff anymore. I'm not drinking this stuff anymore. I'm not living in this sexual idolatry anymore. I'm not living in this pornography anymore. I'm out of here. I'm headed back to Jesus. I'm not going to lie anymore. I'm not going to cheat. I'm not going to steal at work anymore. I'm out of here. I'm headed back to Jesus. There are a lot of you listening to this broadcast today who need to turn around and go back to Jesus because he's opposing your way. You're going on a reckless path with your sin, and you think you can repent and serve Jesus and still move forward with your agenda and still get the rewards and create your life that you want. You can't do it. Jesus is standing in your way. So what are you going to do? Will you walk clean before God? 
Will you truly repent of your sin and clean your house up and clean your kids up and clean your family up? Will you step into the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Or are you going to follow the way of Balaam and say, oh, I repent, now can I go ahead? No, you can't go ahead. You have to go and do what God says to do. Our phone number is 877-534-0780. Are you or are you not going to walk with Jesus Christ? Or are you going to try to say, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I'm creating my own life. I'm going where I think I want to go. People say to me, I'm going to buy a new car. Did Jesus tell you to buy a new car, and did he tell you what to buy? Until he does, don't do anything. Drive your old car. So what are you going to do? Hi, Tom. Welcome. What would you like to share? Well, I just wanted to say, if I was uh, sitting in uh, a congregation, you were preaching, I would say, good preaching. So you're not sitting in a congregation, but in fact you are. So what are you saying? I'm saying good preaching. That uh, you're saying give it all up for Jesus. I know that uh, I feel like every day I've given up all for Jesus, and yet at the same time I remembered this morning that uh, uh, the words of the Apostle Paul, he said, I, I, I die daily. I feel like I have to die daily. My flesh always wants me. I don't know about anybody else's my flesh always wants to do what it wants to do, that's for sure. You know, and, um, go back to the uh, the altar, so to speak, and say, hey, you know, you, you've done enough of that in your life. You know, it, it really is time to give it all up. So every day I feel like I have to give up a little bit more. I don't know. So, Tom, Tom what's it costing you to follow Jesus? Well, uh, I, I feel like uh, it's cost me... Most of my life, if not all of it, I, I, I try not to do anything that I want to do, so to speak, although it seems like the Lord does give a little bit of leeway in terms of, uh, you know, choices, choices that we make uh, that, you know, are, are not necessarily, you know, like what color tie do you want to wear today? Well, you know, he's, I don't think he's upset because I wore a blue tie versus a yellow tie unless he told me specifically what tie he wanted me to wear for some reason, and I didn't wear that, then, you know, I, I do feel conviction. So, so what has it cost you to follow Jesus, Tom? I, I, What's it costing you today to follow Jesus? That, uh, that's a great question. I, 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 I would answer it this way. What, what isn't it costing me? In other words, I don't know anything that I... I haven't given up to has it, him, although has it I cost you your he, has it cost you your dignity? Uh, sometimes, yes, yes. <laughs> That's about the most painful part, isn't it? It, it? it it is. It is. I mean, dying out to self and the flesh is it, it, it's hard. You know, there's no question about it. I mean, like I said, I feel like every Sunday I get back in service, I, I recommit things that I thought I had committed to the Lord and recommit them. 
you know, get out during the week as well. It, it, you know, like, for instance, uh, uh, the situation with these three girls that were found in Cleveland, I have to tell you, last night I got up and I was fighting thoughts, uh, anger thoughts toward these men. And uh, I, I know it's in the Lord's hands, but uh, my first thought was, if that had happened to my daughter, I, I don't know what I would have done by now. I, I have no idea, and I feel like I've died out to self. And then something like that comes up, and I put myself in someone else's shoes. Uh, well, maybe I haven't died out as much as I thought I had, if you know what I mean. So, uh, I think I think, Tom, it's really important to recognize that that dying out does not mean becoming vanilla. Right. And it doesn't right. and it doesn't mean not doing anything. It means doing what the Lord has called us to do. Yes. Whatever that is. Yes. And to love whomever he's called us to love. Yes. And to sacrifice ourselves and our dignity if necessary to love the person he's told us to love. I've done a lot of sacrificing of dignity, but let, let, let me say this. A lot of it's been my fault. I, I, I take blame for it. It's not, uh, uh, it's like the Apostle Peter says, you know, if you, if you suffer for wrongdoing, you haven't done anything special. You know, I suffer for a lot of my own wrongdoing. Uh, at the same time, he says, if you suffer for righteousness' sake, then uh, be glad because you, you've done it for the Lord's sake. So. I guess, Tom, I want to see all of us come to a place where if there's any suffering to be done, it is only for righteousness. Yes, yes. And to be totally done with all self-advancement. In other words, as you go about your work, I want all of that work to be produced by the Holy Spirit as you follow him and do what he tells you to do. And the resources flow then as he directs them to flow. Or they don't flow as he directs them not to flow. Yeah, I hear you. In other words, uh, shut a door that no man can open and open a door that no man can shut, I guess. Yes. But, But that requires walking clean before Jesus. All right, Tom, good to hear from you. Good talking to you, Pastor Ray. I'll, I'll give you a call. Okay, bye. God bless you. Thank you. Our phone number is 877-534-0780. Have you walked in witchcraft and created your own life? And are you willing to give your life up and begin to do and say and walk only as Jesus directs you? not walking in your own flesh. Now, this is extremely hard for those of you who have a regular income. I'm not saying it's bad to have a regular income, but I'm saying that it is most difficult to walk with Jesus when you have a salary because that regular money coming in every week or every two weeks or every month is something you plan with, and you have the freedom to do with it as you choose. And so you don't have to trust totally in the Lord 
or that's the illusion that you can do what you would like to do. I spoke with one person, and and they told me about their desire to go and get a master's degree. And I said, what is holding you back from going forward and getting the master's degree? And they said to me, Pastor, it costs too much money. I don't have enough money to do it. I said, wait a minute. Has God called you to get the master's? Yes. Then it's not a matter of whether you have enough money or not. It's a matter of obedience on your part. Have you gone to the Lord and asked him if he has desired you to get the master's, would he please pay for it? And if he wants you to have the master's, he will pay for the master's program. You are not limited to the income you see coming from a paycheck. You are only limited by the will of God as he manifests it to you. Well, they had never considered that before. That seemed to them to be utterly strange because in their mind they were limited to the small salary that they currently are receiving. And there's no way on that small salary that they could possibly pursue their master's degree. Well, do you understand? Don't trust in your salary, whether large or small. Trust in the direction of the Holy Spirit as he speaks to your heart, as you walk clean before him, and go where he tells you to go, and do what he tells you to do, and he will flow the resources into your life after a very painful time of waiting. I have to add that. I have to give you truth in advertising. One of the ways of God is that he will tell you to do something, and if you move forward and try to do it on your own power, you will feel like God has gone on vacation and you have been left to hang. It's happened to me too many times. I'm speaking out of painful experience, please. So I've discovered when I'm impressed by the Holy Spirit to take some course of action, I then go as far as I can and wait for him to open the way financially. I don't go in debt. I don't ask anybody for it. I simply ask the Lord to open the way before me. And when he opens the way before me, then I take the next steps, but I wait on the Lord. I don't step out in my own strength and my own power, even to do something God has told me to do. When I come to this radio station, the Lord told me to come. And so I said, Lord, I'll be happy to go and do this, but you will have to pay for it because I cannot. And so I'm going to wait for you to provide the money, and when you provide the money, I'll step the next step. Until finally, month by month, he has been paying the radio, and it came time to sign a new contract. And so I signed the contract for thousands of dollars that I have no ability to pay for. But I know the Lord has told me to go, and he's told me to go month to month to month, and each month he would provide the resources so that it could happen. So I didn't go in debt and come to the end of the month and say, wait a minute, I've got to pay this radio bill and it's not paid. Well, I better go the next month and start raising the money to pay last month's and then finally be 90 days in arrears and still 
I'm doing what God told me to do. Why isn't God paying for it? Well, because that would mean I had stepped out ahead of God. I'd gone in my own flesh and my own power, and he would say, you stepped out on your own, so you pay for it, Ray. And I would be hung. No, I go only as God opens the way, as God pays for what he orders, I take a step forward into what he has told me to do. Now, I do need to say to you, this following of Jesus has been a source of great pain and anguish in my heart. I opened yesterday's broadcast by saying, great love brings great pain. Those two are very much tied together. It is so in following Jesus. The great pain is always a result of a call by the Spirit to me to die out more fully. And dying out is always painful. It is denying my own desires. It's denying what I most want, and saying, no, I want Jesus. And so it's a refusal to walk like Balaam. It's turning quickly and running to Jesus. And then it is missing the money that would come from Balak to do the will of Balak, and instead... You wait on the Lord for the manna. The Lord will always open the way and provide the manna. But he will let you get hungry before he provides it. Did you hear me? For many years I said, in my experience, God is always late. And people say, oh no, God is never late. Yes, he is. He's always late. By my, by my standard, by my comfort zone, God is always late. Why? Because he wants to test me and see if I will step out on my own and create my own rescue. He wants to know if I'll pull the plastic out of my pocket and pay for what has to be paid for. He wants to know if I will do in my own strength and my own strategy and my own power what I can do to deliver myself or whether I will wait upon the Lord. And that means God is always late. Now, in reality, from a mature viewpoint, God is never late. He always does what he says he will do. And I am the slave who waits humbly before him while he fulfills the desires of his heart and brings forth his plans, not my plans. And so I stand on the promises I wait on the Lord. I look to him for my sustenance and my life. I look to him as my joy and my pleasure. I look to him for every aspect 
of my life. I don't go out and search after what I desire. I don't go out and try to create something that will bring me the cash that I desire because I am a servant of the Most High God. And sometimes I have much, and sometimes I have very little. There have been times when I've been embarrassed by how much money I have. There have been other times when I have missed meals because I did not have enough money to buy food. I've walked in both. As the Apostle Paul says, I know what it's like to have much, and I know what it's like to have nothing. But in all things, I glorify the name of the Lord. Now, these are hard things I'm speaking of today. And many of you are not going to want to step into what I'm talking about because you have a comfortable life. You have your Jesus. He's your little rabbit's foot. You can rub him and say your prayers and get your catharsis. You can go to your church and be inspired and uplifted and happy and go about your life earning your money and taking your vacations and living the way you choose to live and where you choose to live and how you choose to live. You can participate in any darkness you decide you want to participate in. You can go to the clubs. You can hang with Jesus. You can hang with the devil. And you call that balanced. The Lord calls that a reckless path. He calls it a path of sorcery and witchcraft. He calls it a path that will cause him to take your life finally and cast you into hell. It's time to get serious with Jesus. It's time to turn aside from this casual life of self-preservation, this casual life of American consumption. It's time to turn aside and say, Jesus, I want the life that you will give me and I will pay whatever price is necessary to walk in the way of the cross, to walk on that narrow path, as Bunyan put it, toward the celestial city. I will not be seduced in Vanity Fair by the, by the goods and the services that are available there so readily. Instead, I want the narrow path with the way of the cross. Is that the cry of your heart? Then wait on the Lord. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. We're located in Woodbridge, Virginia, and if your heart is hungry for Jesus and you want the way of the cross, not the way of the world, then I invite you to come and discover the path that will take you to heaven. Come and visit with the National Prayer Chapel this Sunday. Our service begins at 1230. Praise and worship. You will discover there other men and women who earnestly desire Jesus. We meet at the All Saints Anglican Church located right next to the Hilt Memorial Chapel. We're located on Gideon Drive, drive around to the backside of the parking lot of the church, and you'll find there a lower lobby, a large white sign says lower lobby. Come in through those double glass doors, and the worship center is immediately on your left. 
and we'll be going into praise and worship at 12.30 on Sunday afternoon. Come and fellowship with us. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. You'll find there the podcasts of the past. You're welcome to download those podcasts free of charge. You'll find many other resources there to help you in your walk with Jesus as you turn aside from the world. Now let me pray for you. Lord, I lift up every person listening to this broadcast today, and I ask that you would cause them to make the decision to give up their life and begin to take up the life of the cross, your cross, Jesus. Lord, I pray that they will make a decision now to get serious with you, to get on their faces and cry aloud to you, Jesus, to forgive them for their sin and to bring them into the glorious fellowship with the Holy Spirit. I pray in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon. With great joy Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Are you being denied credit? Are you paying?